generally growing up, Christmas wasn't that big of a deal, you know. Um, you, you ate a lot of food, you got new clothes, and that was just the vibe. But I think as I became a Christian, Christmas became so much more meaningful. I was so much more aware in a tangible sense that actually God came in a very tangible way. And um, what's more exciting for me is that I have like a sense that this is actually happening. This is happening. God is with us. Today I get the opportunity of taking you through Matthew 1 from verse 18 to 25. So if you've been around many uh, religious um, folk or if you've gone through church your whole life, you would have heard a lot about Mary. Um, but very little is said about Joseph. We really don't hear much about him. But we come to see that God picked out the man who would, pr who would, who would protect Mary and just his personal uh, heart for obedience. Now, these things we can learn and emulate from Joseph in extreme circumstances. The legal connection between Joseph and Jesus. Biologically, we see that he is not the father of Jesus, but he was considered the father of Jesus from a human perspective. So Matthew gives us the lineage of Jesus, and then he goes on to give us the details of the birth of Jesus. Now, in this passage, he explains to us that Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. And in their language, the word used here is betrothed. But in today's language, we'd use the word um, engaged. You not hear me perfectly. Okay. Okay. So the Jewish uh, period for engagement was a, a year, or the, 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 the betrothal period was a year. And the purpose of this was to make sure that um, the relationship was pure. But put more eloquently, it is to make sure that another man's hand of fellowship had not picked the forbidden fruit from a tree which did not belong to him. <laughs> now, this engagement period appeared to expose in Mary unfaithfulness. And the passage reads as follows. Look with me to verse 18. So, verse 18 reads as follows. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph... It was discovered before they came together that he was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So Joseph is, very, is faced with a very tough decision about what to do and how to handle the situation. Part of that concern is given to us in the following verse, which is verse 19. Let's have a look there. Joseph, being a righteous man, publicly decided to divorce her secretly. In another translation, it says he was a man of the law or a man of integrity. So we see that Joseph was a righteous man who wanted to conduct the divorce quietly. It must be surprising to see the word divorce here because the betrothal was more, in, was more um, binding than an engagement as we know it today. It was not like what we see in the movies today where if somebody decided to call it off, they would just call it off. In those times, they actually had to get divorced from the betrothal, married, and during this period, and they would be still living in, in, in their parents' home. So we see that if Joseph was going to call this betrothal off, he needed to do it quietly. Um, quietly was a challenge on its own, because in order to go through with it, he had to give a written order of declaration. And um, I have to admit, this is pretty tough. To keep things quiet when you have witnesses is almost impossible. So Joseph would be left with finding um, people who would be discreet, to blurt out uh, to other people what has really happened. Now, here's the million-dollar question, which I'm sure everyone's asking themselves this morning. 
to give more clarity to the question, why is Joseph bend, bending over backwards in an attempt to protect this woman? I'm sure many of us at this point would write a please call it's over, or would go on Instagram and the person and delete their number. I mean, why does Joseph do so much? Um, in, in believing that uh, Mary has been an adulterer, explanation, um, then either, other than that, um, there's been impurity and immorality of a brutal kind. By any angel or any divine intervention, hurtful to him, this beautiful girl that he was about to marry turns out to be pregnant. Imagine the disappointment and the hurt. He would have said things like, thought we had something special going on. Or I thought she would be my wife, my day one. I doesn't want to hurt her. When we are hurt, are we motivated to, to, to respond in love or to hurt back? I'm often tempted to spew my venom at the next person. Should I give what I'm getting is what I would ask. The answer to the why question, which I asked a moment ago, is actually given to us in verse 19. Her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man. Well, there you have it. Joseph was a righteous man. He was a godly man. Brothers and sisters, this is what godly people do when they are hurt. And that is one of the most powerful things we can do. Now, I think Joseph is being awesomely amazing because you and I both know that we want to hurt back. We want to avenge. Flesh wants some kind of justice, some kind of satisfaction. Now, when I have been hurt, I become important. Now we see um, the word telling us that Joseph was a godly man. He was determined to not let the hurt in his heart dictate his actions. Now, the response of a lesser man would have been to take out the anger. According to the Jewish custom, Joseph was at liberty to actually stone um, Mary. Keep in mind, they're under Roman occupation at the time. The whole, the whole area is. They don't have the right to execute. They had... They, they don't have the right to execute that kind of punishment. And a fun fact here is that um, our law is largely shaped by Roman law, which strongly advocates that each person is innocent until proven guilty because they've been wrongly accused or, unf or, or have um, been accused without having had a fair trial. Heck, they tried to stone Jesus. And at many times, they were successful. For example, Paul was stoned. Um, for those of you who might not be familiar with Paul, he is the main con contributor of the New Testament, though it was illegal to do so. Now, it, it is quite clear that um, Joseph, but to a lesser man that might have occurred, the possibility of that was actually incredibly high. Now, I'm kind of forced to ask myself, what would I have done if I was in Joseph's shoes? Or sandal, put more accurately. Had been in a similar situation, if you had been in a similar situation, would you have done? Perhaps you can recall of an incident where you were the recipient of betrayal, protect the, the individual who hurt you, because that's what Joseph is doing. I hope the more I talk about this, the more you're impressed with Joseph, Joseph's conduct. Going to protect the woman who was carrying, carrying the Holy Son of God into whose mind it never occurred to stone the woman to, de to death, let alone even shame her publicly. Now, looking at the text, it seemed that there is another option 
which Joseph did not consider. That was actually suggested to him by God. Let's look at verse 20. Son of God, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Been conceived in her as from the Holy Spirit. Would have considered our options, and Joseph even. God comes along and expands the ability to look at the situation um, differently. An option which we could not have anticipated for one reason or another. Allow me to clarify that even more. When we take time to come to God and ask him, he will open our understanding to a greater view of what lies before us. Although it appeared to Joseph in his mind he was doing the right thing by wanting to break the engagement, but also he didn't want to humiliate Mary. At the same time, the angel comes along and it is through God's guidance that Joseph is able to make the best decision. Now Joseph was making a decision and I would even go so far to say he was making a godly decision. It took God's input for Joseph to reach the best conclusion of the whole situation. That the light which the Holy Spirit sheds on our questions is often the very thing we need to, to allow us um, to actually come to um, a different um, consideration. Joseph did not consider the latter option because the bond would have been broken or were broken in some respect, at least internally, age, and that there was really nothing to do but break the the engagement. I think he felt trapped in it. His right standing with God. Him to consider um, that in a way that would not be hurtful, but yet God comes along. He helps to see. He helps him to see things in a higher and more powerful manner. That that must have not been an easy option to consider. Appear that Joseph was the one who got her pregnant before they were officially married. He was basically saying. I had a part in this. He would have been assumed that he would have assumed that Joseph is a participant in righteousness. Many people would not stick around for an explanation. First instinct would be to go to judgment based on the little information which they might have. They would come up with the worst conclusions. The angel here comes with something which is not the most comf- comfortable thing for Joseph. Firstly, it requires a heap of faith. His dignity which is to be lost something to be sacrificed. It would be one thing if he was a caruser and a womanizer, but, but instead he was an outstanding member of the community. And if you must know one thing about cultural communities, it's that reputation is everything. This man, despite all these things, decides to obey the Lord, if is a powerful example to me, to you. See what a powerful picture this man represents to us. Um, carries or produces unhealthy consequences. And when we become willing to walk as the Lord would have us walk, we come to an understanding that God had a big, bigger picture in mind. God always has a bigger picture. Look at verse 21. Here's what the angel tells Joseph. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Amazing, simply Amazing. Here's a man who could have made this whole scenario about himself. It could have been all about his hurt. We come to find out God has a plan. And a huge one at that. This is what we didn't stop to consider. This is what the enemy does at his best. He takes our eyes, he takes our minds and our visions from understanding God's larger picture, even when and especially when we're hurt. When someone hurts your feelings, 
The enemy has a potential to have a picnic with you. A picnic does not include Woolish chicken, but decaying food. The intention of the enemy is to come and press all the right buttons. Touch on yourself so that you don't see... Sorry for the vegetarians. <laughs> so that you don't see um, that God Almighty could, ha- could have something to do with this. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking to myself here, consumed in my own emotions and weakness. But unlike me, Joseph responds differently. He doesn't take on the victim mentality and what society would condone. (laughs) With him is hurt and um, spreading that hurt to everyone he, he comes along, who comes along his way. Have you heard what she did to me? I am going to make an example out of her. Can you imagine um, the, the headlines of a tabloid reporting on this story? They would go crazy. So I've got a question. Why does God use such stories when he could come up with something more spectacular without an inch of questionability? Uh, there's this quote which I came across and I just couldn't place um, where I discovered it. And it reads as follows. We miss God's purpose and his plan by taking those things we might otherwise give to him and say, Lord, I surrender this to you. I give this into your hands. They're discovered in the midst of even this. Found in Romans 8, 28, which many people like to quote, and it reads as follows. Of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Verses. Many of us have probably committed this verse to memory of jail-free God. And maybe this is convenient because we can do whatever we want. I can operate out of my own sinfulness and later on come and say, well, (laughs) sorry, it's all things for um, my good and for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. And then we justify ourselves. I'm not perfect. Don't judge. As if we need to hear that. We all put this out sometimes as a trump card. Obviously, Paul's not giving us a get-out-of-jail-free card here. The verse says, God works all things for the good of, of those who love him. And the interesting thing here is that Jesus tells us that love is expressed by obedience. In the language of John, if you love me, you will obey my commands. You put these verses together, and there's a connection. God works all things together for the good of those who love him. Those who love him? Because they do, they, they do what he says. They obey his commands. You see, this isn't an, inf- an inv- invitation to give um, the flesh leeway, saying God will take care of this because I have a promise that God will work out all things together for my good. That's not what this verse is saying. God worked out this situation for the good of those who are involved because Joseph made a determination in his heart to be obedient when the angel came to him and said, Listen, there's an option you haven't considered yet, my son. Take this woman and marry her, but have no union with her until after this child is born. Because this child is special, he is the son of God, and I have chosen you to be the surrogate dad, walk in obedience. Knowing that there would be a stigma attached to you, to look at you like you could not wait the year. But you just be obedient to me, Joseph, and I'll work this thing for good. I'll bring such good out of this that it will blow your mind. Verse 22 and 23 go on to say, Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. 
birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God is with us. He is a, pre a prediction of something that will happen in the future. And we know that this is a prophecy because it is written in, um, in our Bible margins, cultural reference that is being made, as this shows us that the Bible is one unified book comprising of both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, I hope I won't belabor this point, but I once heard someone say, this prophecy is not fulfilled since the baby born Manuel. It doesn't say Jesus. There's no way in the Bible where he was named um, Emmanuel, this person says. But have you noticed that in the next couple of verses, Matthew goes ahead to tell us that Joseph named him in accordance with what, with what the angel told him? Sorry. It says in the last couple of verses, verse 24 says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the, Lord, the Lord's angel had commanded him, which basically means that he went through with the marriage until she gave birth to a son. I really think Matthew would have quoted Isaiah 7 and then later on said, and, and, the, and they named him Jesus if he thought it was a contradiction. Obviously not. I mean, it's like saying the scones are buttered and the scones are not buttered. I just contradicted myself. Matthew is not contradicting himself. The fulfillment of this prophecy is not bound up in Emmanuel being a proper name. In Emmanuel being a declaration. Sorry, it's a butter joke. <laughs> Shout out to all the butter lovers in the house. Um, of the deity of Jesus Christ. And every time you and I say Jesus Christ, Son of God, born of a virgin, we are declaring him Emmanuel, the real way, God is with us. And that there was a real fulfillment related to this prophecy. Now Isaiah gave this prophecy in a time of kings, and fulfillment to this as well. Now a virgin did not have a, um, a child, a maiden did. But there, there was a larger, more miraculous fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 7 that Matthew points out, and he says, ultimately fulfill what was spoken here through the prophet, the virgin will basically say of him, here is God with us. It is really a beautiful declaration. But this is the thing I want us to focus our attention this morning. Have we really waited on the Lord? Have we taken the issues that we are going through and have we given them to the Lord? After considering all of the options that are available to us, have we come to the Lord and have we said to him, Lord, open my heart to something else that you want to talk to me about. Um, dear Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word, which is alive and active. Verify us with your word. We thank you that um, today we begin a series about your coming, your birth. We pray, Lord God, that in a real way, in a tangible way, just a lived experience of knowing that you're here with us in a very real way, that in life, as we live, as we continue to um, serve you and, and work and love our families, that we'd be able to do it with the grace of knowing that we are loved by you, that you're a God who's here with us, who's forever with us. Thank you that um, we don't need a mediator who comes in between us and you, but actually we have access to you. I pray that, Lord, as we continue in this series, that you would open our hearts and our minds and just prepare us for this time to really celebrate you and delight in you. In your wonderful name, Lord, we pray this morning. Amen. Oh. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you, guys. <clears throat>
Thank you, guys. Um, after the service, so please don't, run, don't rush off. Um, the service doesn't end there. Um, it would be great to say hello to some of you if I haven't met you, and hopefully you meet someone else. See you next Sunday. Have a great morning.